You know what Djokovic just tweeted? No, what happened now? He tweeted, Best wishes in what awaits you on and off the court. Stay strong. For Zverev. Ugh. But on and off the court is our signature intro. I guess we have to change it. Mm, we don't need those bad vibes in the podcast, but we were saying it first anyways. Hello, everyone, and welcome to Hold On To Your Racket, the podcast for Gen Z tennis fans, where we host Josefina and Shravia. Shravia and I are so excited to be creating this podcast and sharing our love for tennis with you all. Josefina and I are two high school gals and tennis fanatics united together by our on-the-court and off-the-court companionship. And we're the young female voices in modern-day tennis you've been looking for, so we hope you enjoy this episode and stay tuned for more. So today is November 20th, and it's kind of an important episode. This is our 30th episode, so that's quite the milestone. Excited for that, but we're going to jump right in, as normally we do, with the hot headlines. Yeah, so this is obviously with the NITO ATP Finals going on, a very ATP-heavy episode, and as you know, the ATP always has drama, and we have more PTPA drama. So, Novak Djokovic and Vasek Pospisil, who formed the PTPA during the Western and Southern Open, which apparently, according to just the word around the street, hasn't gotten as much traction as they hoped to have gotten at this point, although players are still advocating for what the PTPA stood for within the ATP Player Council. So, apparently, Djokovic and Pospisil are now applying to be back onto the ATP Players Council, which is the same body that they resigned from three months ago to form the PTPA. And this is all coming from reporting within the tennis world and also Bruno Suarez, who is a current member of the Players Council and one of the ATP doubles players competing in the NITO ATP finals. Um, this is all according to what Suarez said recently in a press conference, basically that Djokovic and Pospisil have reapplied to be on the ATP Players Council. But of course, what's causing drama is that Djokovic, on the other hand, is saying that the two of them, as in he and Pospisil, did not apply to be on the council, and that instead a large group of players put forth both of their names for nomination and they just accepted it. Accepted it. Yeah, so what Djokovic said, he gave a really long response to this in his press conference. Apparently it was like an over two-minute response. Um, part of it we're going to read to you. He said, quote, I feel responsible and honored to be able to represent players. I do not see any conflict of any kind in being part of the PTPA and the ATP Player Council. I have not seen it back in August when the PTPA was founded. I don't see it now. So that is why I accepted the nomination as well as Vashek because we felt that there is a responsibility when you are nominated and it means that you have trust and credibility from a lot of players which honestly makes kind of it makes sense although it still leaves it unclear as to where the PTPA stands right now. And also it's kind of confusing because <laughs> Bruno Suarez has no motive to lie here so so Again, Djokovic addressed some other misconceptions about the PTPA, saying, I have said many times before, and I have no issue to repeat it again, PTPA was founded because there is none of the organizations right now, and in the history of the tennis, actually, that that is representing 100% players' rights. 
So again, this is why the PTPA was formed in the first place. And just some opinions from um, other players playing, playing in the NITO ATP finals. Nadal and Tiam said that they're happy with the ATP Players Council in their press conference. And Schwartzman, on the other hand, on the other hand, said he's all for what the PTPA stands for, but not at all against the ATP. So, of course, there's varying opinions on this subject, and I guess that's what makes it so dramatic. Okay, moving into tennis talk, we're going to give you a little bit of a recap of the round-robin action that took place over the past few days, and then also reflecting on those players who have now been eliminated, but then also looking ahead to our semifinal matchup. So in Group Tokyo 1970, the winner of the group was Daniil Medvedev, and he went undefeated without dropping a set, and he's really turned his season around, and as you know, he's now undefeated since the Paris Masters because he took that title. So his wins came over Zverev, who he beat 6-3, 6-4, Djokovic, which he beat 6-3, Diego Schwartzman, and when he was playing Schwartzman, Medvedev had already qualified for the semifinals at this point, um, but it was a quick win for him, 6-3, 6-3. The runner-up in this group, so the other person who will be advancing to the semifinals from group Tokyo is world number one Novak Djokovic, and he has a 2-1 win-loss record in this group, only losing to Medvedev, and he defeated Diego Schwartzman, 6-3, 6-2, and defeated Zverev, 6-3, 7-6. So, I mean, I think... We kind of, it might have been expected to see Djokovic into the semifinals, but I think that what the Russian, on the other hand, Daniil Medvedev, is doing is really impressive. Um, and Josefina actually did highlight him as someone to, you know, put put your bets on this tournament, and he's definitely doing well. And I'm actually really excited to see how he's going to do in the semifinals and potentially beyond that. So moving on to Group London 2020. The winner of that group was Dominic Thiem, who only lost to Rublev, but played a shocker match against Rafael Nadal, saying that it was one of the best matches of his life. He beat Tsitsipas 7-6-4-6-6-3, and he beat Nadal 7-6-7-6 in two sets, and Rublev beat him 2-6-5-7, and when he played Rublev, Tiam had already qualified for the semis at that point, so maybe that affected something. But either way, Rublev did play very well in that match. And the rum- runner-up in that group is Rafael Nadal, who had a very close record with Tiam. They both had a 2-1 to win-loss record and a 4-3 to win-loss set record, so it came down to the very specific stats. And Rafael Nadal beat Rublev 6-3-6-4, lost to Tiam, like I said before, 6-7-6-7, and beat Tsitsipas 6-4-4-6-6-2. So this was a very interesting group because all of these players are like ones that we expected to get through because Tsitsipas, he won last year. Rublev has been doing amazing all year. And of course, Nadal and Tiam also, they have a Grand Slam each this year. So Definitely a very competitive group, but good job to Nadal and Tiam. Yeah, so now reflecting a bit on the players who are now out of the draw. Um, first of all, with Andre Rublev, um, we talked about that loss to Nadal. There was a close match versus Tsitsipas. He actually did have one match point in the tiebreaker versus 
um, Sitsipas, and then he also had a good win over Team. And a lot of people were saying that you know maybe he was maybe Team wasn't you know trying to he was trying to conserve energy because he'd already qualified by that point. But regardless, Rublev played really well there. And when he was asked about kind of like his um, record at the ATP Finals this year, this was obviously his first year at this event. Um, he actually made a really interesting point that if you think about it, Rublev actually hasn't really gotten to play that many top three, top four players as often as the other guys in this tournament have been able to do. So even though Rublev has had an amazing season so far and done so well, I think that the other players in his group had a bit more um, experience uh, playing these top players before obviously team and Nadal we know um, them run, going really deep in slams and then with Tsitsipas obviously last year's champion so he has more experience too but I think either way Rublev has a lot to be proud of this season and you know that win over team is a great way to affirm um, a pretty decent showing Stefano Tsitsipas on the hand on the other hand um, he played three set matches all throughout and he definitely did have opportunities in each one um he said he was kind of disappointed about that Nadal loss and felt that he kind of just was making too many errors in that third set and he also was really candid about um sort of you know feeling lonely or kind of you know not as energized with the lack of crowd and being confined in a bubble in all these tournaments and stuff which I think a lot of fans took to heart because they were like you know, thinking about, you know, if you're a tennis player, so used to having the energy of the crowd and your fans around being able to pick you up, being in such an isolated tennis world can be really difficult. So it's unfortunate he wasn't able to defend his title this year, but um, hopefully he'll take this time to, you know, recharge for 2021. And moving on to Zverev, he's someone that was more expected to get to the semis than Medvedev. But in the end, he lost to Medvedev 3-6-4-6. He beat Schwartzman 6-3-4-6-6-3 and lost to Djokovic 3-6-6-7. So this is a player that had a good season, but then got here and became... He was the favorite, one of the favorites in this group. Of course, there was only four of them. But between Medvedev and Zverev... It, Zverev was the more popular one to get to the semis, but Medvedev came through, and that's what makes it such a surprise. And I guess that's why the ATP finals this year are just, they get a little bit of action because there's some news that we weren't expecting. And the last person that is out of the draw is Diego Schwartzman. He um was, what's the opposite of undefeated? <laughs> he lost to Djokovic 3-6-2-6, lost to Zverev 3-6-6-4-3-6, and lost to Medvedev 3-6-3-6. So obviously a tough draw for this guy, but I mean, just getting there, this was his first ATP Finals, and he's still an amazing player. This might have just not have been his tournament. Yeah, I mean, Diego Schwartzman has definitely had a great 2020. Um and it's never been easy for the eighth seed at the ATP finals to do well, um, but he still definitely pushed Zverev in that match um, to a significant degree. And he's coming off of a Grand Slam semifinal, so let's not forget that either. Um, but moving into our semifinal matchups, we kind of want to discuss the two that we have, Medvedev versus Nadal and Tiam versus Djokovic. 
Starting with the first one, I just took a look at the head-to-head -head between Medvedev and Nadal, and obviously we remember that blockbuster U.S. Open final in 2019, um, and that was certainly a good match. Then they also met the NITO ATP finals last year, where it was went three sets and had two tie breaks. It was 6-7, um, 6-3, six, 7-6 six, six for Nadal, and then they have another meeting earlier in um, 2019 in the finals of Rogers Cup where Nadal also won but these are all very close matches and personally I think with Medvedev kind of he seems to be I don't know just based on the way he's been his attitude I feel like he seems to be finding his groove again and some more confidence compared to his performance last year at the ATP finals so I think he has a good shot here I agree with you I just the the scores are so close with all of their matches it's really hard to make a call so early at this point because, like I said before, their record is so close and they're both great players and really in the stride of their season right now. So it's a little bit difficult to make a call now, but I agree with what you're saying as like a preliminary pick. And the second semifinal match is Dominic Thiem versus Novak Djokovic. So we've seen their matchups are definitely interesting, especially considering the Australian Open this year, the final, where they went five sets. So Djokovic took that win, but then Team came back and won the next Grand Slam, the U.S. Open. So both have had great seasons, one Grand Slam each. So this is a an all-star match. Yeah, I think this is like super tough to call for some i i want to say tm but i also don't want to that might just be my personal bias but i think dominic team actually said a few days ago after his win over nadal that he feels like he's playing even better than he was at the u.s open we kind of saw team after his loss at roland garros and that epic match diego schwartzman and the indoor season since um he kind of was like you know not playing as well he had a couple injuries i think minor injuries but i think after getting some time to rest he's really found his groove again um in london so he's playing some top quality tennis so um i think that they're both really gonna bring it to this match So we're doing the tennis ball frizz quiz again. Like we said, we're going to be doing this one for the NITO ATP finals. And although they are only three episodes, we're going to bring it our all to each tennis ball frizz quiz. And in case you didn't know, the tennis ball frizz quiz is where during a tournament, we come up with trivia questions themed about that tournament. And then Shavi and I compete. And at the end of the tournament, we tally up all our scores and announce a tennis ball frizz quiz so shravi you can start with the first question yeah so competing for the title of tennis ball frizz quiz whiz i'm gonna go with my first question for you which is the atp tour finals have been held in 14 different locations which of the following locations has the event not taken place in a lisbon b boston c frankfurt d beijing i think beijing that's correct. It's taken place. I didn't. First of all, I didn't know that it's been in fourteen different. Yeah, locations. I just remember the New York, London, obviously Tokyo because of the title this year. Yeah, yeah. I had no idea that. Yeah. Well, that's pretty shocking. I guess that goes to show you how the more you young know, we are. Yeah, the more you know. <laughs> all right. So that's one point for you. Let's see if I can get a point from your question. 
Okay, so one of the Nito singles groups this year is called Tokyo 1970. Who was the champion that year? Was it A. Ely Nastas, B. Guillermo Vilas, C. Stan Smith, or D. Bjorn Borg? Stan Smith? Yes, it was Stan Smith. I feel Smith. like I heard somewhere that Stan Smith was the first. Um, not the fir- first? I think that was the first year. Yeah, it was yeah, the yeah, first, first year. Um, but wow, we really know our stuff today. Mm-hmm. I'm proud so, of us. Yep. <laughs> So moving right into our double fault. Dun dun dun. So, in case you didn't know, the double faults are some not so very good things from the past week, basically since our last episode. So, Shravya, take it away. Yeah, we referenced this a little bit in our intro skip, but we're gonna take a deep dive further. Novak Djokovic, after beating um, his friend Alexander Zverev today um, to reach the semifinals issued a statement, um, not issued a statement, he (laughs) responded to a question in a press conference about um, the domestic abuse allegations against Zverev, and Djokovic said, quote, he's, he he, as in Zverev, he's been handling it very well by the, he's he's been handling it well by the looks of his results in the last month and a half or so. He's been doing well considering he's got a lot on his plate off the court. So I sincerely wish for him that he overcomes this soon and that he can focus on his life and tennis career, end quote. I just want to, I mean, if you think Zverev's got a lot on his plate, then what do you think Olya Sharapova has on her plate right now? Yeah, I mean, the way that he describes this, like, overcomes, like, this is not, you don't overcome this, it's not a sickness. I don't understand that wording, yeah. And then Djokovic, like we cited in our intro skit, he also later tweeted in a tribute post to Zverev after their match today, quote, best wishes in what awaits you on and off the court. Stay strong. So, um, yeah, (laughs) like we were saying in the intro skit, it's unfortunate that they use that wording. And later, Djokovic did say that the ATP should have a domestic violence policy but then he said what he said in his press conference so he's all over the place contradictory especially considering like what i said before in the ptpa thing he's saying one thing another guy is saying another thing it's always centered around djokovic contradicting himself or others (laughs) that's what it comes down to yeah well well yeah On the other hand, we did also have um, one asked about the situation in his press conference. Daniel Medvedev condemns domestic abuse. He condemned it. Obviously, we know that his wife was the one who was with Sharapova the day um, during the U.S. Open in New York City when um, her incident, one one of her incidents with Zverev happened, which she talked about in her interviews. But we're not really considering Medvedev condemning domestic abuse as our ace this episode because although it's great that he said that it's a pretty low bar to be considered an ace but we have a pretty funny ace for this episode which is a very nice light-hearted one that we've really been enjoying this week oh yeah this ace is the source of my happiness this week i mean this just this brought light to everything that this was everything i needed so 
Monfi and Andy Murray are doing a live stream every day of the Nito ATP finals to kind of preview and they're having different tennis players as guests on it's just it's just all amazing yeah they had um Matteo Berrettini, Denis Shapovalov, Grigor Dimitrov, and Felix Auger-Aliassime these past couple of days. I'm just excited to see who they have on tomorrow. Sometimes if, like, I'm on Zoom or something, I'll split screen and watch some of their Twitch stream. It's really funny. Yeah, and then also the the funniest thing about this is that from the first live stream to now... You could see their relationship and bromance yeah, building. Yeah, their chemistry has and gotten beginning, better. Exactly. They're beginning to get more comfortable with each other. It's, it's just awesome. All the vibes are immaculate. Also, the personalities bounce off each other very well. You have, like, the kind of stoic um, Andy Murray sitting in his bed with a weird camera angle compared <laughs> to Gail Mumphis, who's obviously also um, someone very, like loved a lot by the players on the tour. Super funny with his professional you know, Mike and suit And wearing and, a suit compared yeah, to Andy Murray's <laughs> sports clothes? Yeah, I don't, I don't know. know. Pajamas? I don't know. They both look great. <laughs> but I also was interacting with some people on Twitter the other day asking if there were two WTA stars you'd want to host a Twitch stream, who would you want them to be? And someone actually said Maria Sakari. Um, and I was like, that would act- she would actually be so good at it, I feel like. She has, like, a... I feel like her personality would work really well. Someone also said Ayla Tomljanovic. I think that would be awesome, too. Um, okay, but, maybe like, even- what about Maria Sakari and Jennifer Brady together? Ooh, that would be funny. Someone also said like Andrea Petkovic. There's a lot of good options, I think. I feel like this is something that the ATP and WTA should lean into doing more. You know, I think people had that discussion about, um, actually Novak Djokovic said a few days ago that tennis is like, they shouldn't have best of five sets anymore because the young, they're using losing younger fans in tennis because they don't have the attention span to watch best of five okay, set matches. Okay, this is, this is the <laughs> stereotype Shravi and I are here to defeat, okay? Exactly. But like, honestly, if you want to increase like a younger fan base... Stuff like this, using Twitch and doing these live streams and interacting it's with great. fans and stuff, yeah. this is the way to go. And I feel like in coronavirus, you even had Sitsipas saying this, like the disconnectedness you feel with the fans and the audience and stuff. Like, this is such a great way to be able to, you know, connect with them. So I feel like it's something they should lean into doing more. And they made it interactive because I know we got our tweet on there a couple of times. They have a hashtag, ATP which is great because you can use it on Twitter and they could actually showcase your tweets. So, it like, instead of just watching them talk, they make it interactive, which is just even better because interaction is the whole thing we're talking about. This is what's lacking, what Tsitsipas is missing right now. Yeah, so I definitely am looking forward to tomorrow's edition of Month ATP and hopefully some more of these live streams in the future. Thank you so much for joining us, and that is game, set, and match for today. If you like this episode, please let us know and stay tuned for more. We'll be providing you all the coverage of the NITO ATP Finals and, of course, updates on all the Tion Tour. Email us at holdontoyourracket at gmail.com for any questions and leave a rating of whatever platform you're listening on. Hold On To Your Racket is available on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and Google Podcasts. 
Follow us on social media at Hold On To Your Racket on Instagram and at H-O-T-Y-R underscore Tennis Pod on Twitter. Our next episode will be released after the NITO ATP Finals and to recap the event. And remember, my name is Josefina. And my name is Shravya. That is if you enjoyed this episode. If you didn't like it, please tell your friends my name is Robert and Shravya's name is Steve. See you next time. <laughs>